where the, um, the disciples were arguing amongst each other over who was the greatest. How many of you remember that story? Well, there's another story that I heard told about another argument that took place. Only this argument took place between two dogs. One of them was a German shepherd. The other one was a poodle. And guess what they were arguing about? Who was the greatest? And so the, the German shepherd's argument was because he was bigger and stronger, he was the greatest. The poodle argued that because he was cuter, that made him the greatest. So the German shepherd challenged the poodle to a contest, asking him if he was willing to test his greatness by seeing which of the dog can quickly get into the, uh, the owner's house to the door the quickest. So the poodle agreed to the challenge. So the German shepherd went first. So he gets up to the door, and with his great strength, he stood up on his hind legs. And he opened his mouth, and he placed his mouth on the doorknob. But he couldn't open the door. So he used his paws. And so he began to twist and tweak, and spending several minutes of twisting and tweaking and turning until he finally opened the door. But the German shepherd was too worn out because of his efforts to get inside, so it was the poodle's turn. And so he goes up to the other door, and he stands up on his hind legs and begins to scratch the door, and the owner comes and opens the door, and the poodle scurries into the house. <laughs> now, what I want to point to you in this illustration is this. There's a difference between religion and relationship. Religion required hard work and lots of effort. Relationship required a lot less because the poodle knew how to get the attention of his master. Someone once said that intimacy and closeness is what, with the Lord is what provides the full experience of relationship. It is a tragedy to know that there are many people who are going to go through life without ever becoming closely acquainted with their creator. Do you want to know what's even more tragic? That Christians undervalue and take for granted the greatest privilege available to mankind, and that's knowing God. As you know that Pastor Chris introduced to us in the new year, our theme, do you know what it is? Let's say it together. Knowing God more in 2024. And this morning I want to continue along those lines by talking to you about getting closer and personal with God. Because the only way to get close to God, the only way to know God more is by getting close and personal. Amen? So we're going to talk about that this morning. If you remember over in Mark chapter 1 and verses 23 and 24, you don't need to go there. But the story goes where Jesus and his disciples go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And as he went in, he taught them. And at the end of the service, the Bible says that the people were astonished at his teaching because they never heard teaching with such authority. 
But in the midst of that congregation, there's one particular individual who the Bible describes as being possessed of the devil. Now that goes to show you that even the devil comes to church on Sundays. And so this evil spirit cries out and he says to Jesus, leave us alone, Jesus of Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? And then he goes on to say, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Sometimes it seems like the devil knows God more than we do. Christians come to church for years and only know about God rather than knowing him personally. Oftentimes I've heard Christians, frustrated Christians, say that this God thing doesn't work. But in reality, the real problem is that they're just not close enough to God. You see, it's not that God doesn't work. It's not that the Bible doesn't work. And it's not that the, the Holy Spirit doesn't work. If a person is not close enough to God, then it will certainly seem that way. But it reminds me of a story that I once shared a while ago about the farmer and his wife. How many of you remember that story? They were on their way to, uh, to town in their pickup truck. And so the farmer was behind the wheel sitting quietly and silently driving and his wife was sitting on the other side, on the passenger side, uh, up against the door looking through the window. And as she was looking through the window as they were driving into town, she noticed that a lot of cars that were passing by had couples who were sitting close together. And after several miles, the wife finally says to her husband, Jed, when we first got married, we never used to sit this far apart. And then old Jed turns to his wife and says, I ain't the one that moved. How many of you this morning have ever felt your relationship with God growing more distant and more unfamiliar with the passing of time? Because when you find yourself distant from God, that relational experience and power that comes through intimacy and closeness will never be realized in your life. So we should ask ourselves this question. How close am I to God? As a matter of fact, let's all ask ourselves that question together, out loud. Those of you who are watching by live stream, I want you to join us. All right? So at the count of three, I want us all to say, how, much, how close am I to God? All right? Ready? One, two, three. How close am I to God? Now I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to ask him, how close are you to God? Now I haven't answered that question. Do you want to hear the answer to that question? The answer to that question is this. We are as close to God as we want to be. You remember John Bevere, the well-known author and speaker? He once said this. He says, we are the ones who determines the level of fellowship and relationship that we have with God. Maybe some of you have become like that, that woman who over time drawn close, uh, drawn further away from God. And just like the farmer, God says, I ain't the one that moved. So maybe we need to look at ourselves and find out where we are with God. Where's our relationship with him? Because listen, God had not moved. 
the scripture tells us that God is close to all who call upon him. So how can we increase the level of fellowship and relationship with God? Well, turn with me over to James chapter 4. Let's look at verse 8. If you remember on New Year's Eve, Pastor Chris was, in, was uh, completing the second series of his, of his message on knowing God more. And he came to this verse of scripture. And I want to come back to it because there's so much here that we can glean from. And James says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, the Amplified Version says it like this. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Now, to draw near to God means to come near. Just like the Amplified Version says, come close to God, and he will come close to you. So, the idea is to approach someone. Now, when you read this verse, it seems, it sort of implies that James' readers were not as close to God as they should be. So James challenges them to pursue fellowship with the Lord by drawing near to him and not settle for a Christian life that's distant from God. And so he goes on to say, uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Many of us, or I should say many Christians, have been drawn away from God by, by giving more of their love, their time, their attention, their focus, and even their priorities to something or someone other than God. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Idolatry. And idolatry is the worship of idols. And idols are the things that draw us away from what we love, our attention, our focus, our time, to the thing that matters most, and that is drawing near to God. We need to be clingy with God. You remember that, uh, that character uh, in uh, Peanuts, the, the Charlie Brown? You remember Linus? Linus was the one that carried that blanket around, always keeping it close. That's how clingy we need to be with God. As a matter of fact, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. And this is the life that God has called us to live. Look at verse 20. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and what? That you may cling to him, for he is your life and your length of days. Hallelujah. So to be clinging with God means to remain persistently close. To remain attached to him. Hallelujah. The Bible says we are to cling to God. Why? Because he is our life. And he is the length of our days. Glory to God. So go back to James chapter 4 and verse 8. Because I want to show you something here. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I just want to focus on that first part of that verse. What we see here is a biblical principle. This principle is called the law of reciprocation. And that simply means a response to a corresponding action. For example, if you extend favor to someone, they will in turn extend the same favor by responding with a similar action. Okay? If, they, if you 
give them a ride to work, they're going to respond by giving you a ride to work. Okay? And we find this, uh, this principle all throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you look at, well, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, God says this, them that honor me, I will honor. So God extends honor to us. I should say when we extend honor to God, he will in turn respond with a similar action by honoring us. Then he also says over Malachi 3, 7, return unto me and I will return unto you. And we see this very same principle over in the New Testament. When Jesus says over in Matthew 6, 14, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. Or in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 where he says give and it shall be given you. This is the law of reciprocation. So when we draw near to God, you can be sure that God is going to return the favor by responding in a similar action and draw near to you. Because closeness and intimacy with God is what provides or what, what, yeah, what provides the full experience of relationship. And that's so important to know. Drawing close to God means intimacy. Now, there's a difference between intimacy and relationship. Relationship is the foundation. Intimacy is the very core of a relationship. When we talk about intimacy, I don't mean that in a sexual way. Although that is also intimacy, but within a marriage. But intimacy also means togetherness, closeness, or a close familiarity or friendship with someone. It also means having an extensive, detailed knowledge and understanding of someone and they of you. Now, my wife and I, we have an intimate relationship. There's closeness in our relationship. There's togetherness. There's familiarity. And we have an extensive knowledge and understanding of each other, detailed knowledge of each, of each other, which we will not share with you. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 10. It was Paul's prayer that you, as well as I, may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and what? And increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. If you can put that up on the screen for me. The Amplified Version says it like this. That you may walk Live and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and watch this, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. Paul is not talking about a casual intellectual knowledge of God. He's talking about a real personal, heartfelt, experiential, and relational knowledge of him. Wives. How many wives we have here this morning? I want to see a show of hands. All the wives in the house. Can I see a show of hands? All the wives. Okay, you can put your hands down. Wives, I have a question for you, which requires a show of hands. Wives, how many of you would say yes to the man that you now call your husband? If he had asked for your hand in marriage on your first date, can I see a show of hands? How many of you would say yes? Okay, I say one, two, three. Okay, I'm really surprised. 
That is the exception, not the rule. <laughs> Jen, you didn't raise your hands. So. <laughs> but why is that? Why is it just a few hands and not every hand? Exactly. You've got to get close to someone and, and, and learn to be more, you learn something more about that person before you say yes. Right? I mean, that's just common sense. Now, of course, those of you who, who just say yes the first time, that, that's an exception. He must have been really had it going on for them to say yes because my wife did not say yes on our first date. Well, I wouldn't have asked her because I was too scared to do that anyway. So you've got to get close to someone before you can know them more intimately. Intimacy is the key to growing in any relationship, but especially in your relationship with God. And let's, just as a side note, it is impossible to avoid sin and, and worldliness if you're still trying to keep and maintain a long-distant relationship with God. But drawing close to God is the, the key, the heart of the gospel. Christ Jesus came down to the earth, died for our sins, so that he can make a way for us to come close to him, to reconcile us back to God. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once what? Far off, have been what? Brought near by the blood of Christ. If you remember what Jesus says over in John 14, verse 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man comes to the Father. No man can have access to the Father. No man can draw near or close to the Father except through him. When Jesus walked this earth, he was the perfect model of intimacy and closeness with the Father. And guess what? In John 10 and verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. There's no relationship that can be closer than oneness. That's why marriage is such an important God-ordained institution. Because the Bible says that when man leaves his father and mother, he will cleave unto a wife, and the both shall become one. Nothing can be closer than oneness. And when Christ came to the world, and because of his victory on the cross, God made it possible through his Son for us to enjoy and to experience that oneness with the Father that Jesus also experienced here on this earth. God is so good. Hallelujah. God wants to be close to you. God desires to be close to you. As a matter of fact, God is more passionate about being close to you than you are of him. When God sent his son into the world, he sent him to accomplish two great objectives in his plan of redemption. To restore relationship and fellowship. Relationship and fellowship is the reason for our existence. And knowing that fellowship and relationship is the reason for our existence, you and I, because of our sins, could not fulfill that purpose or that reason for our existence until we became born again. When we received Jesus Christ into our hearts, the Bible says we became born again. We became new creatures. All things have passed away and all things become new. Go to John's gospel. Look at the first chapter in verse 12. 
It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to what? Become children of God to those who believe in his name. Look at verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, or the will of the flesh, but born of God. Hallelujah. And now that we've been born again, now we have that. We're in a better position now to fulfill that purpose and that reason for our existence. In the beginning, before God created the heavens and the earth, he was the Father God. And as a Father God, he longed for children. He longed for relationship. He longed for sons and daughters. And just like a couple who desires children but can't have any of their own, but because of their longing and desire for children, they go out and adopt a child in order to satisfy that longing. That's what God did. Pastor Ray last week described beautifully the heart of God towards his people and how God created us for his pleasure. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now look at verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what I love. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God desires fellowship and relationship with us. He desires the closest possible relationship with us because relationship and fellowship was all part of God's plan. And this is what God promised over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 18. This is his promise to us. He says, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. Hallelujah. God wants to be close to us today. The Bible says that Moses had a close relationship to God, that he was a friend to God. Abraham was considered a man who was close to God. He was, a, he was called a friend forever. But you and I, we're called to be more than just friends. We're called to be sons and daughters, children of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And just to show you the kind of relationship that God desires of us. Many of you know that I'm a man who loves spicy food. It's no secret. I love hot sauce. And my wife will tell you that I pretty much put hot sauce in just about everything I eat. But that's me. I love fire in my food. And Pastor Ray, he will tell you that the absence of fire in my meal means having a boring and bland meal. As a matter of fact, Pastor Ray and I, he's not here. But Pastor Ray and I, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were reminded of an experience that we had. And uh, every once in a while, we would go to Wendy's and order a chicken sandwich. And we would order it and then pick it up at the drive-thru. But it was always an adventure because I would order the spicy chicken and he would order the plain chicken. <laughs> but when they gave us the order, it was both were wrapped in the same wrapper, but it was no indication which was spicy and which was not. <laughs> so what we would do is we open it very carefully without touching the sandwich and try to determine which was a spicy chicken and which was not. Now, if you look carefully, sometimes the spicy chicken is a little darker. It has a little reddish tint to it. But one day we guess wrong. 
And I ended up eating some bland, boring chicken. And poor Pastor Ray's mouth was on fire with my spicy chicken. Needless to say, we did not enjoy our lunchtime. But that was a baptism of fire for Pastor Ray because not long after that, he was born again and was, was converted. And now he's joined the, the rest of us where the spice is right. Praise God. <laughs> but Jesus loves a little hostile in the relationship. He loves a little fire in our relationship. God is not looking for a relationship that's boring and basic based on duty and service. He's looking for a real, passionate, on fire, close relationship with us. He doesn't want none of that boring stuff. Again, it's all about relationship with God. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, breaking fellowship with God and severing the relationship that that they once enjoyed, God, who longed for relationship, quickly set up, set in motion a plan to restore and to reestablish that relationship once again. That's how much God desires relationship with us. But until that time, God still loved us, but he loved us from afar. He loved us from behind the veil. Because sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. But God, through his son, was the one who made that sacrifice just so that we can be close to him. In John 3.16, which we all know, says that God gave his son, that he loved us so much that he gave his only son. God gave his very best, which was his only son, just to save us. And when Jesus came into into the world, he took that veil, which separated us from God, and he tore it in two. It made it possible for us to be able to get close to him. And we have that opportunity every day of our lives. People, are you listening to me this morning? God wants to be close to you. He desires close personal relationship with you. Sometimes we imagine God being a million miles away. Or at least that's how it feels. But God, through the blood of his son, removed every obstacle that would get in the way of us getting close and personal with God. It is possible that we can be close and personal with our Father. God wants to be close and personal with us. And he made a way for us to be close and personal with him. So my question is, what is keeping us from drawing close and personal with God? John Bevere said, we are the ones who determine the level of fellowship and relationship that we have with God. It's up to us. So, We talked about getting close and personal with God and what that means. We talked about how God desires a close and personal relationship with us and how he made it possible for us to be close and personal with him. So for the next several minutes, we're going to talk about how to get close and personal with God. Now, again, going back to Pastor Chris's message uh, back on New Year's Eve, he talked about two types of discipline That is so essential in the Christian life that will help us to draw close and personal with God. And that is spending time in the word and prayer. Now we hear it all the time. We know this. But there are still many Christians who don't spend enough time in his word and don't spend enough time praying. 
And because of that, instead of having a close relationship with God, they have more of a distant relationship with God. But getting in the Word and spending time in the Word is so important and so essential that even the Bible tells us how important it is. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us just to read His Word. He tells us to meditate and study His Word. That takes time. In, uh, in Joshua 1.8, the Scripture tells us that we are to meditate on His Word day and night so that we can observe to do all that is written therein. In 2 Timothy 3.16 it tells us that the word of God is profitable for us, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. In Colossians 3.16, it tells us that we're to let this word dwell in our hearts richly in all wisdom so that we may teach and admonish others. It's important to spend time in the word. Spending time in the word is spending time with God because God and his word are one. You can't separate the two. So when we're spending time in the Word, we are also spending time with God Himself. In John 15 and verse 7, Jesus says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now the word abide means to stay or to remain or to continue. So when we talk about abiding in the Word, we're talking about staying in His Word or remaining in His Word, and that the Word remains or stays in us. When we have a meal at home, you know, we collect the dishes and we put them in the sink. We wash them and dry them up and put them away. But then there are pots that you use to cook the food in. Now, I don't like cleaning. I hate cleaning pots. So sometimes I'll leave it for the next day. But if you place it in the sink and leave it overnight, the next day, some of you know this, it gets harder to clean because all that food in there gets caked up and, uh, you know, and it's hard to scrub. However, if you place the pot in water and dishwashing liquid and let it soak overnight, then the next day it's that much easier to clean. That's what it means when the Bible says we have to abide in his word. It's easier for us to get cleaned. Because we let the water, the pot abide in the water, it's doing what it's supposed to do. When we spend time in his word, God, what he does is he, he, he uses his truth and he sheds his truth and light into the dark and dirty areas in our lives. And he begins to show it to us and then bring it to our attention so that we can bring that before God by confessing them and then asking for forgiveness and repenting. And then we get cleansed up. That's what it means to abide in his word and his word abiding in you. Relationship says soak and just sit for a while in that hot water or that word of God. Hallelujah. And spend some time. When you're soaking in the word of God, you're soaking in the presence of God. Prayer is also another thing, so essential. E.W. Kenyon, um, he's a well-known author, and, uh, and he's got some wonderful books. I have many of them, and, you know, books like In His Presence, uh, The Wonderful Name of Jesus, The Light of My Redemption, just to name a few. But in one of his books, he described prayer in a way that I've, I've never heard it before. 
This is what he says. He says prayer. He said, first of all, he says, the highest order of prayer is a love affair. Two lovers meeting and sharing with each other. He says, not, it's not like a slave meeting with a master. It's not a servant meeting with an overseer. But a father meeting with his children and talking things over and discussing things. Two people coming together who love each other and talking things over. That's what prayer is. How sad it is to know about God, but never really knowing him. Moses was a good example. He knew God because he spent a lot of time with him. As a matter of fact, the scripture talks about how he made it a practice to take his tent, go outside the camp where all the other children of Israel were, and he'd go to some distance and he pitch his tent there so that he can meet with God. That tent is called the tent of meeting or the tabernacle of meeting. And so if we look at Exodus chapter 33 and verse 9, this is what happened when he pitched that tent to meet with God. In verse 9 it says this, And as he, meaning Moses, went into the tent, the pillar of cloud which represents the presence of God would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now look down in verse 11. And inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Hallelujah. This shows the intimacy that Moses shared with God and how God spoke to him and met with him as though they were friends. We need to find our own tent of meeting and pitch it in a place where there's no one around so that we can meet with God and expect to meet with him face to face on a daily basis. You want to get close and personal with God? Go pitch your tent of meeting. Have your own tent of meeting and meet with God every day there. You can't know and become close to God if you don't spend time with him. Trust is another factor in building trust, in drawing close and personal with God. We know that you cannot get close to someone if you don't trust them. You cannot be intimate with someone if you don't trust that person, right? Go to Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 6. Scripture says this, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For without him, or for without it, it is impossible to please God. Okay, let me start over again. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, or he who draws near to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Believing that God exists is just the beginning, but it's not enough. James says that even the devil believes that he exists. So God is not going to settle for a relationship that's merely based on just an acknowledgement of his existence. God wants more. He wants to be close and personal. He wants to have a dynamic relationship based on trust and faith. Because understand that faith and trust is the heart of intimacy. 
You've got to have that. Look at Psalm 73 and look at verse 28. But it is good for me to to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all of your works. The more we trust someone, the closer we get to them. And the closer we allow them to get to us. But it's all based on trust. The more we trust God, the more intimately we come to know him. Something else also that will help us to draw close and personal with God. And that is this. In order to grow close and personal with God, it's going to involve all of you. Let's imagine a young couple who's planning on getting married. And the young woman finds out later on that the man that she's going to marry plans on being her husband for one hour each day. Or let's say that the young man found out that his young wife or the woman that he's going to be his wife only wants to be his wife for a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the afternoon. But all the other time, she doesn't want her husband interfering with her life. Now imagine if that actually came true, if that was actually in real life. I mean, that would be considered a strange arrangement, wouldn't you think? I mean, you wouldn't do that, right? Of course not. But I wonder, do we treat God that way? Think about it. How much of you does God have? Or how much of you does God, do you allow God to be involved in? Or maybe you have just a part-time relationship with God and all the rest of the time are your time. Where are you? Growing too close to God is going to involve every part of you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Look at verse 29. Listen to what Moses says to God's people. He says this in verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all of your soul. Seeking after God is another way of approaching him and drawing close to him. Seeking God, drawing close to God requires your whole heart, your whole mind, and every step you take in life. Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus says this, If any man comes after me, let him deny himself, and then take up his cross and follow me. There has to be a denial Intimacy demands sacrifice. And you must be willing to deny yourself, which means giving all rights to yourself. Then we're to carry our cross on a daily basis. Do you know why we have to carry the cross every day? Because there are still some things in us that needs to die. So when we come before God, that's that's why the scripture says in, in James chapter 4 and verse 8, when James says, draw near to God and draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. He also says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. If we're going to draw close, if we're going to get serious about this, if we're going to get serious about our relationship with God, and if we really want to get close and personal with him, you make sure that, there's, that your heart is clean and then your mind is right. 
If there's unforgiveness in your heart, that's got to die before you can draw close to him. If there's unresolved issues in your life, that's got to die before you can draw close to God. If there's jealousy or envy, if there's pride, if there's any sin in your heart, that's got to die before you can draw close to God. Before you can have an effective, personal, and real meaningful relationship with God, those things got to die. That's why it's important to carry the cross before you can follow him effectively. It's an everyday death. God wants to be a part of your life every day, not just part-time. He wants to be involved in your life every moment of the day. So let's offer him all of us so that he can maximize what he wants to do in us and for us. Amen? Now, let me close with this. There was a, a woman who goes to a particular church who struggled with her weight all her life. And she tried every diet known to man, but her weight would fluctuate up and down. After several months, her pastor noticed that she hadn't been around. He hadn't seen her until one Sunday afternoon when he finally saw her after service. And when he saw her, he couldn't believe what he saw. He was shocked. As a matter of fact, he almost didn't recognize her. Because when he saw her, he noticed that she lost virtually all the weight that she fought so hard and long to lose. And do you know what her solution was? She met a man and fell in love. And she began to explain to the pastor that the man that she had been dating was the man she knew she was going to marry. And because she knew she was going to marry him, she wanted to make sure that she looked good in her wedding dress on her wedding day. So the solution to her problem wasn't some strict approach to eating less. But she was able to overcome in such a short moment of time what plagued her for years by developing a relationship and wanting to seek to please her husband. There's power in relationship. There is power in intimacy. The closer you get to God, the more our lives become transformed. You cannot help but to be affected by his presence, by his power, and by his closeness. So if we're going to get serious in our relationship with God, then we need to be willing to make the necessary sacrifices And be serious about getting that full, wonderful experience that we will experience when we're close and personal with God. Having that daily walk with him. Because understand that God was serious about our relationship because he paid a price. He was serious about it, so are we serious as well? Go to John 15 and verse 5. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much fruit. That's transformation. But look at what he says. However, apart from me, you can do nothing. So just like the vine and the branch, we're connected. We're united together. We're joined together like a married couple is united. 
Jesus' goal is, to, is, is for people to continue in that relationship with him and with himself. And understand this, that as long as we remain closely connected with God, bearing fruit or that transformation is the result of the son's life being reproduced in us every day. The closer you get to God, the more we become more, we become more uh, our lives be transformed and we become, we become uh, looking more like Christ. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible wants, is for us to look like Christ, to be like Christ. But that can't happen unless we spend more time with God and, and strive to have that personal and close relationship with him so that we can become more like him. The power of a transformed life does not come by way of some Christian service and duty. It comes as a direct result of abiding in God and his word abiding in us, abiding in his presence on a daily basis and being connected, being attached, being close, by just clinging to him every day and making him a part of your life. Oh, I should say this. Let me, let me rephrase he should be all of your life, not a part of your life. The closer you draw to God, the more like him you're going to become. Abraham was transformed after he entered into a covenant relationship with God. And he was once a father of nothing, and he later became a father of many nations. He was a faith of nothing, but he became a father of faith later on. His name was changed from Abraham to Abraham he was transformed because of his relationship with God. Moses was also transformed because he spent time with God, meeting him face-to-face on a regular basis. When you meet with God face-to-face every day, that's got to affect your life somehow, some way. It's got to. And he was transformed and became a great leader and a great deliverer of God, of God's people. And then Paul, His life was dramatically changed when he had that close encounter with the Lord Jesus. And if you remember Paul, when he talked about, I forget all things and leave all things behind me. Because Paul had a lot to forget about. Because if you remember, he was the one that held the coats of the men who stoned one of the earlier Christians to death. He was also the one that led a campaign of terror and persecution against all Christians. But when he met up with Christ, his life became transformed. And he became a great preacher and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Greater closeness to God produces in you a greater likeness of him. A greater resemblance of the Father. Pastor Ray, he he closed his message with the story of the prodigal son. It's a beautiful story. He talked about how his sons didn't know the heart of the Father. Another part of that story that I love is when the son finally came to himself. When he realized he made a mess of his life. He couldn't blame anybody but himself. And he decided to go home. And for him to do that, he had to swallow his pride and humble himself. So he journeyed back home. Now, I don't know how long it took for him to get home. But he got to the point where he could actually see his house at a distance as he was drawing near to his home. The father happens to see his son at a distance, drawing closer. But the father didn't wait for the son to reach the doorstep of his house. Instead, he ran to meet his son, drawing closer to him as his son was drawing closer to the, to the house. 
And when he finally met up with his son, he embraced him. He welcomed him. He accepted him. He loved on him. And more importantly, he restored him. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you've drifted away. And maybe you're deciding to make your way back. And if you decide to make your way back, know that God sees you coming. But he's not going to wait for you to arrive. He's going to meet you where you are. And he's going to embrace you. He's going to welcome you. He's going to love you. He's going to accept you. And more important, he's going to restore you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right now, I want to do this. As the um, worship team comes, I ask them to, to, to sing a request for, for, uh, for this particular service. I want to open up the, <clears throat> the pulpit. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you've drifted further away from God. Maybe you're on the verge of drifting away. Or maybe you're close to God, but you need to be closer. But whoever you are, I want to open this up, and I want you to just come. This is between you and God. While the worship team is playing, it's a time for you to come up. Because when you're coming up, it's like drawing close to God. And as you come up, know that God is also going to draw close to you. He's going to make his move towards you as you make your move towards him. So at this time, come on up. Again, this is between you and God. I'm just going to step out of the way, but I'm going to leave this altar open for you. And as you do, I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us to be able to come close and personal with you. Thank you that you're a God of relationships. Thank you that you're a personal God. And Lord, thank you for the desire that you have to be close to us. Lord, even though we disappoint you, even though we fall short of you, yet you still want to be close to us. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Father God, for your adoration. Thank you for wanting me, imperfect as I am. But I thank you. Lord, we bless you this today. We love you and we honor you today. And we ask that you touch everyone that is here today. Father, I pray that they receive the message in such a way, Lord God, that it's leaving, making an impact in them, wanting them to draw even closer to you, knowing that you want to be close to them. Father, I pray that from now on their lives will begin to be transformed because of the time they spent with you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Lord, I thank you for wanting us and loving us, accepting us, welcoming us and restoring us back to right relationship with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
As I close, the altar's still open. Come on up whenever you need to, whenever you can. Again, this is between you and God. If you want to draw closer and more personal with God, come on up. Draw me close. Let's sing. Draw me close to you. glad you could join us today at Faith Christian Center, the church that love is building. Pastor Mike's message this morning was wonderful on growing closer to God. How do we do that? By practicing His presence and renewing our mind in God's Word. We don't want just a relationship with God. As Pastor Mike said, we want intimacy with God. We want to know Him, and He wants to know us better. When we call upon him, he's right there. He's listening, he hears us, and he answers. You know, when I go to a crowded room or a party or a big gathering and there's a lot of people around, a lot of noise, I will recognize the voice of my loved ones, people I've spent time with, more so than anyone else. If my child calls me from across the room or a trusted friend or my husband, I know that voice and I respond. Well, it's like that with God. You know, we need to know His voice, hear Him in our spirit. And again, spending time in His Word brings that closeness and that intimacy. And children also, our our children know that if they cry, even as a little baby, they know if they cry, parent is listening. Someone's going to come for them answer, meet their needs. And God's like that. He's listening all the time. And when we call, when we cry, he's right there to help us and guide us and give us wisdom and health and healing and whatever it is that we need. If you don't have that relationship with God, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, I invite you to do that right now. What are you waiting for? There's nothing to wait for. Well, you might say, well, I don't, I don't believe in all of that. What if it's true? What if? Ask yourself, do I want to um, pass up on the greatest gift in the universe, the gift of Jesus Christ? It's not worth passing up. It's worth everything to accept him. And you'll listen and you'll hear him in your heart. So if you'd like to talk to more about this with a pastor or someone here at the church, you can just give a call during the week, Monday through Friday, and it's 508 336 4110 and someone will be glad to pray with you talk with you Uh, you can ask your questions you can get answers that make sense in this senseless world and also we invite you to join us always Wednesday nights at 730 Sunday morning at 930 we love to have you but if you can't come and you're listening online we're thrilled that you joined us so we thank you God bless you have a wonderful week And we'll see you Wednesday. Bye-bye.